power of promises. We're going to look at uh, some practical principles in regards to promises and how God promises many things from His Word. We sing songs about standing on the promises of God. And so we're just going to go over some practical pointers that I think will be a help to us in regards to God's promises towards us. Why don't we pray one last time, and then, uh, and then we're going to read the first four verses of Second Peter uh, chapter 1. Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you for uh, just this lesson. And I pray that I'll be a help to everyone that is here tonight. Pray that you give me the right words to say. Give me a boldness. And uh, Lord, pray that you have me to say only that which you have me to say and withhold anything you have me not to say. Be with this time. We ask your name. Amen. Second Peter chapter 1, verse number 1 says this, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'll pause right there and just say that the uh, apostle uh, Peter is writing, and uh, he's writing to those that have obtained like precious faith. Uh, They're saved, just like you and I. I hope everyone in here, you can claim that you are of like precious faith. You've received Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, And so to those that have received uh, God's perfect gift of salvation, this letter is for you. And uh, so let's dive in here. Verse number 2, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According to His divine power hath given unto us, now look at this, all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, you know, several times in in uh, about the year and three months that I've been here, I've uh, been trying to minister to our youth group, uh, our teenagers, and uh, sometimes uh, teenagers will come to me and they'll say, "Hey, you know, I don't I don't see the word marijuana in the Bible. I don't see the word abortion in the Bible. I don't see several of these concepts that uh, that they're dealing with today in God's Word." And sometimes I'll pause and I'll turn to this very passage of Scripture and I'll say, God has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. My friend, tonight, in your hands, from Genesis to Revelation, you have God's completed Word. It's His revelation to you. And in there contains all things that we need for our life to be successful, to have life and life more abundantly, but not only to live our lives, but to be godly in our lifestyle. So everything that we should be doing, everything that we should not be doing, is all found in God's Word. Now there's some areas that maybe we need to do a little more digging, a little more study. Uh, As I mentioned, some of those words aren't in there. But the concepts are all throughout Scripture. And the more that you hear, the more that you study, the more that you know the mind of God... By getting into His Word, the more you can know what is right and what is wrong. So we'll continue on here with that thought in mind, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. By these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I love that phrase there. He's given unto us, I love these descriptive, exceeding great and precious promises. Uh, our life is built on promises. You know that? You go to work uh, each and every day on the promise that you're going to get paid 
when you do the work. You have a, a, a contract, you have a verbal commitment of some sort, or, or maybe perhaps a physical contract that you've signed. Uh, it's agreeing that for the work that you do at your organization, you're going to be paid accordingly. And so because of that contractual uh, agreement between two parties, you have agreed, I'm going to come into work each and every day. Promises, they offer hope. When somebody promises you something, you uh, have expectancy to come with that. Somebody says, hey, if you do this, then I'm going to give you this. Or you have a young child that, you know, you're on your way home and you say, you know what, we're going to go and get ice cream. You're making a promise to them and they get excited. We're going to get ice cream. Uh, there's, there's hope that's built. There's expectancy that's built. And again, we build our lives on promises, but, but there's two kinds of promises tonight. We have conditional promises and we have unconditional promises. Unconditional promises is we're going to get it no matter what. No matter what the circumstance is, no matter what the situation is, this is what was agreed upon and this is what's going to happen. It's a commitment to do something. A conditional promise, we know this, uh, this is just base level, foundational uh, truths of this, is that uh, in order for you to get something, you've got to do something. Right? If, if somebody says, hey, uh, I'm going to pay you this much to do the job, guess what? You don't sit back at home and say, I'm going to get this money. You say, okay, part of my agreement is I'm going to do my work, and in return, I'm going to get paid for this. And so... Uh, it, Promises are exciting things. And, and I look at this passage, exceeding great and precious promises. You know, you know what makes something, you know what makes the promises of God exceeding? Because they're from the person that is, that's almighty God. Uh, you know what makes them great? You know, in the Bible, there's a lot of descriptive words for how much God loves us. God loves us so much. God so loved the world. Uh, and, and it just talks about how much God loves us. You ever play this game with your kids and, and you say, how much, how much do you love me? Right? Is it this much? Is it this much? Is it this much? Right? Uh, God loves us more than I could reach my hands. More than I could reach the span. He loves us so much. And God gives us this descriptive word that they are great, precious. When something is precious, you hold it in high regard. You know what I find often in my life is that the promises of God are precious uh, when I've neglected them for a while, and then all of a sudden crisis comes into play. And all of a sudden I turn to Romans 8.28. I turn to Romans uh, 4.13, or Philippians 4.13, Philippians 4.19. Uh, you fill in the blank, all these precious promises that we have, and, and, uh, and sometimes we, we take it for granted that we have at our fingertips, on our laps, on our phones, exceeding great and precious promises. In 1985, for the first time in more than 50 years, Congress, Congress authorized uh, the issue an official U.S. government gold coins. Beginning in 1986, these new coins came on the market. Each of these American eagles, as they, uh, as they are known, is guaranteed by the U.S. Mint to contain the, uh, the stated amount of pure 22-carat gold. They come in uh, one-tenth, one-quarter, one-half, and one-ounce sizes. Buyers from around the world trust these coins because they trust the promises of the United States government 
that these coins are what they claim to be. When it comes to Scripture, we have something far more reliable than our government. We have the promises of Almighty God that He means what He says. And He is going to come through on what He says. And so tonight we're going to have just two main points and uh, several sub-points uh, for each of these. If you want to take notes, I encourage you to do so. But uh, in regards to promises, there's two aspects, two components Two promises. Uh, you have the promise makers, number one. Every promise that's put forth has somebody that has constructed, that has authored the promise. And one thing's for sure, promises are only as good as the promise maker. Uh, and looking at the, con- the context of this, as we look at God's promises, God is the promise maker, we've got to look at His reputation. Is he faithful to fulfill his promises? You may have somebody that promises you something and they let you down. You ever have somebody like that in your life? I hope nobody in here is that person. Your, your kids, whenever you make a promise, they say, ah, dad's not going to do that. Uh, I don't know. He hasn't done it in the past. Is his reputation, is he faithful to fulfill these promises? Well, we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 20, For all the promises of God in Him are yea. It means truly, assuredly. And in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. And so not only does God give us promises in His Word, but He backs up His promises by sharing His reputation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to men, but God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Isaiah 59.1 uh, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy, that he cannot hear. We'll come back to the second part of that verse here in just a moment. But uh, the promise maker, his reputation, sure. Everything he says he's going to do. But not only do you look at somebody's reputation when they make a promise, but you look at their resources. You see, a person is only as good as their ability to fulfill the, the promise. Not just their reputation. When somebody says something, uh, you expect them to come through on it. But do they have the necessary funds? Do they have the necessary resources to come through? You know, Brother Okai, I could say tonight, Brother Okai, right after the service, I'm going to give you $1,000. And I think tonight, uh, I hope I have a good reputation with everybody that I can come through with my promises. But I'll be honest with you tonight. Anybody that knows somebody that works in the ministry knows you don't have the resources to do something like that. And so I might sound good in my promise, but I don't have the resource in order to give Brother Okai uh, that money after service. You know, God has not only shared His reputation with us, but He shares His resources. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 8, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always have all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. There's a lot of alls. A lot of all-encompassing things. Every good work. All things. All grace towards you. Always having all sufficiency. Uh, in Psalm chapter 50, verse number 10, For every beast of the forest is mine, 
and the cattle upon a thousand hills. You ever use that phrase? My God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Well, that's where this comes from. Verse number 11, I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would uh, tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. So God, the promise maker to us, is good in His reputation. He's good in His resources. But here's what happens. This is where reality sets in. Is we go to God's Word and we know that He's made us promises. But what happens when God doesn't come through in His promise? And I'll tell you this, but Sean, you know, uh, probably when I first got in ministry, I would hear somebody come up to me and say, I'm claiming a promise. I'm claiming this to be true. I've been praying it, but I've been seeking years, decades, and I'm just not having this promise claimed. What's going on? And that would have rattled me. But I, taking a, a step back and, and looking at this, sometimes we, we're so quick to point our fingers at God and say that it must be Him. Must be his problem. Before we do that, we need to look at ourselves. Because we're making some bold accusations of an almighty God. Can I remind us where our place is? We're sinners. Right? And no matter how hard we try, there are many times in our life where we don't come through on things. There's times in our life where we have the best of intentions, but we're just frail individuals. You know, the Bible reminds us in, in James chapter 5, verse number 12. Our yea is to be yea, and our nay, nay. We ought to have that same reputation as God. When somebody comes to you, whenever somebody says your name in the context of a promise, where are you in that? Are you, are you having the good reputation that, that uh, you come through, that you, you are a man who you say you are? You know, I, I think back in history, and I go back uh, reading a lot of history books now, 1700s, 1800s, and all these different things, and I think of the contracts that uh, were verbally given for different things. Uh, long before lawyers were, were prevalent all over, and uh, you, know, you couldn't say or do anything without having a lawyer you know, collect his paycheck and, and fill out the paperwork in order to do so, uh, it used to be when you just shook a hand. You said, I, I vow to do this. Yes, this is our agreement. That was, that was good. Nowadays, we have uh, people that connive, people that try to take advantage of the system and, and uh, take advantage of people's word and good uh, trustworthiness. And so now uh, you have uh, these contracts that need to be uh, drawn up. And you need to put liens on houses when you have construction issues. Right, Brother John? Having issues there. And, and uh, you're trying to deal through all this, trying to work through uh, these situations. Reputation, the resources. So, as we dive into this tonight, let's look at the promise claimers. We're not just looking at God and His Word, but we're looking at the promise claimers. It's, it's our position first. Before we start pointing the finger at God, let's make sure that we are in right standing with Him. Let's make sure that all the promises that He's given to, to us uh, are, are in proper perspective, and the promises are only as good as the, the terms that they come with. Promises are only as good as the terms that they come with. And so let's look at some of the terms, some of the things that God gives for us when it comes to His promises tonight. Sometimes one of the reasons why we don't, we're not able to claim these promises, or we don't see God coming through on His promises, is number one, wrong understanding. Wrong understanding. Sometimes we have the best of intentions. God, 
I pray that you will meet this need. And I'm claiming this Bible verse. And I'm giving it back to you. Would you please come through? But sometimes we don't really know what we really need. Right? As I mentioned earlier, we're just sinners. We can only see the here and now. And we don't know what the future has in store. Sometimes we don't know what our best interest is in mind. So sometimes we don't really know what we need. Can I give you an example? Philippians chapter 4, verse number 19. Some of you, this is your, your insurance plan. I knew a pastor one time. He, uh, he, he didn't have any insurance. He had the bare minimum. I think it was just uh, the base level of car insurance, and that was it. He didn't have any uh, homeowner's insurance, anything like that. It, uh, it, it was, uh, he may have had homeowner's insurance, but it was just whatever he absolutely needed was all he had. There was no umbrella, there was no, nothing like that. Uh, he just claimed Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And you know what happens sometimes when we claim this verse? Is we say, God, I need money. And we wait. God, when is that money going to clear? How is it going to show up? And you're looking in the mailbox over and over and over again. You're saying, God, I need some more money. I need to clear these bills. And you think that your need is money, but in reality, your need is actually discipline. Can I say that again? We think our need is money, but God says, no, your need is discipline. I'm giving you the money that you need for the walls around you, for the utilities, for your food, for your transportation. But what you're doing is, well, I'm going to go to the restaurant all the time, man. I have this money in my account. And so you're going to Wendy's. You're going to, you know, Denny's. Is there even a Denny's up here? I, don't, I guess it's in, uh, maybe over in, in Milford. Random thought. Uh, random things that when you travel the country and you have all different things, uh, you don't know what uh, restaurants are nearby. Uh, you know, we don't have a Dutch's anywhere else. We don't have an In-N-Out. In-N-Out up here is, uh, is uh, non-existent. Uh, but that's just the California thing. Anyway, getting sidetracked, but uh, we get we get stuck on these on, on maybe using our money for restaurants and things that appeal to us. But God says, "Hey, I've given you all that you need. I'm not funding what you want. I'm funding. I promise to give you what you need. I have not promised to give you what you want." And so sometimes one of the reasons why we struggle in claiming these promises is wrong understanding. But secondly, wrong context. These are all innocent things. These are all just simple mistakes that we make. But nonetheless, correct, corrections that need to be made tonight. Wrong context. We don't understand at first, but now we read a verse and it's improper interpretation of Scripture. Can I give you another example? This is a verse that every athlete, I think, in every pro level has maybe tattooed somewhere. They, they got it written in their shoes. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I don't expect to raise a hand tonight, but how many of you have claimed that promise in some way or time in your life? Yes, I know I have. Uh, it's, a, it's a great promise. But sometimes we use that and we pull that out and say, whatever I do, God is going to give me the strength to do it. But sometimes we need to take a step back and we just take that one little excerpt, one little verse, and we take it out of its context. How many of you know what Philippians 4.12 says? 
I don't think a whole lot of us. Philippians 4, uh, 14, I don't think a whole lot of us. But we know Philippians 4.13 that we can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Well, when you, stru- when you uh, read that verse and you look at its context, God's not giving you a license. God's not giving you the strength to do anything that you want. It's specifically He's allowing you to do all things when it comes to the Gospel. When it comes to His will and His work in His way, He will enable you, He will strengthen you in and through it. But yet we use it in context with athletes and with work and with anything else. And so sometimes we're claiming that I don't feel like I have the strength when I'm at work. God, You promised. Why aren't You coming through? Why do I feel so tired? Why do I feel so exhausted? Our priorities get a little off. and It's all because we have wrong understanding first and foremost, but wrong context. Well, how do we fix this? Well, when studying a promise, whenever you cling on to one verse, just like we do in in Bible study on on Wednesday nights, and just like we do in in services on Sunday, we don't just claim a a doctrinal piece based on one verse, right? If pastor got up here and just read one verse, and spent all 45 minutes talking about every which thing but no other verses, that would be a very poor thing to, to, to hang a hat on, right? We expect pastor and anybody else that speaks from this pulpit to be prepared, to have other verses to back up these, these truths, to back up the doctrine that's being uh, taught. And so when we claim these promises, sometimes it's important for us to understand what the promise is there for. Why did God put this at this chapter? Why did God put this in this book? Why is God allowing this author to write it? What are the verses that are preceding? What are the verses that are after? Am I making sure that the promise I am claiming is in its right context? Next, we have wrong understanding. We have wrong context. We have a wrong position. Pastor Angel, what do you mean by that? Not doing what you need to do to hold up your end of the bargain. I mentioned this just a little bit ago, but... But sometimes we, we say, God, I want you to meet my needs. I want you to, uh, to give me all these things. I, I find this passage of Scripture and I'm claiming onto it, but, but we're in the wrong position. We're not in the position to claim these things. They're conditional promises. I'll give you another, another example here. Psalm chapter 37, verse number 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. It's real easy for us to look at that and say, God shall give me all the desires of my heart. But we forget the first part of it. You have to delight yourself also in the Lord. God, I'm doing my best. I, 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 think, I think I'm there. I'm, I, 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 I'm just expecting you to come through in the desires. I, I don't like this Christian life when, it, when I'm robbed of the things that I like. And, and, and that's our mindset towards it. But God says, I'm not just going to fund you. I'm not just going to uh, allow you to, uh, to, to participate in and have what you want if you're not willing to come through on your end of the bargain. We sometimes have a greater expectancy from God than we would anybody else here on this earth. If you didn't show up for work for a whole month, all of a sudden the paychecks go dry, you're not seeing anything in your bank account. You don't march into your office and say, God, or rather your boss, boss, hey, where's my paychecks? Your boss is going to say, 
Where's your work? Right? You've got to come up with your end of the bargain. Yet, sometimes we're so quick to go, God, why aren't you coming through? We're not in the right position. We're not holding up our end of the bargain when it comes to these things. Number four, wrong reasoning. Wrong reasoning. God does not fund, nor does He enable your sin. God is holy. God is not going to look down, see the reason why you want to claim this promise, see that it's sinful, see that it's self-indulging, and say, okay, I'm going to give that to you. You know, you can't pull one over on God. Right? You might be able to pull one over on me. You might be able to pull one over on your coworkers and your spouse. But God knows the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. And so it's important when we're claiming these that we make sure our heart's right and we make sure that we don't have the wrong reasoning why we're claiming this promise. Second Peter chapter 1, verse number 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great precious promises, that by these, this is the reason, the reason you have these promises, that you might be partakers of the divine nature. God's nature. A holy lifestyle. A royal priesthood. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Going back to that illustration I mentioned earlier where God, uh, God will... Uh, strengthens me in everything that I do. Right? Philippians 4.13. He's going to strengthen you. He's not going to strengthen you so you can go play football on Sundays and skip the Lord's Day. Right? He's not going to, he's not going to allow you to go uh, do what you want and you're claiming of God's going to strengthen me. He doesn't fund, He doesn't enable your sin. James chapter 4, verse number 3. He ask and receive not. I'm asking God. I think I'm understanding this promise right. I think I'm, uh, I've got it in the right context. I think I, 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 I'm right in the right position. I'm trying to do my end of the bargain. But you receive not because you ask amiss. You might consume it upon your own lust. Well, if God gives me this, I'll look like something. But I'm not going to let God know that. I'm going to keep this a secret. If I claim this promise and God gives me this talent, this ability, this promotion, ooh, my coworkers are going to respect me. I'll have more say. I'll have more push around here. But if you're all about how you're going to get the glory, let me tell you, God's not going to bless you. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 20, For all the promises of God, as I mentioned earlier, in Him are yea, and in Him amen, Unto, here's why, the glory of God by us. The glory of God by us. Everything we do, everything we ask for, ought to be for God's glory, number one, and our good. God's glory is number one. We're doing everything so that He can be lifted up. I tell our choir all the time, we meet on Sunday nights and and uh, we sing. And our choir's done a great job. Haven't they? That's not to toot my own horn. They've been working hard. All I do is just swing my arm. And uh, it's all their voices. They do, they do a fantastic job. But I tell them all the time, I said, we're not getting up here on the platform on Sundays. We're not meeting here on Sunday nights so that we can make ourselves look good. 
or that we can impress a crowd that comes here on Sunday. We sing to the audience of one. We sing for the glory of God. And we sing as if we are in the throne room of God ourselves and we're standing before Him. And the reason we prepare, the reason why we practice, the reason why we want our sound to be as good as it possibly can be is because we serve a first-class God. And so when we sing, we sing for the audience of one. Whenever we claim a promise, we don't consume it upon our own lust, our own uplifting, our own glory, but for the glory of God Himself. We are His instruments. We are His chosen people. We are lights in His, wor- in His world. Excuse me. <clears throat> but this is what happens. I mentioned earlier ago, Isaiah chapter 59, verse number 1, and, uh, and how the, the Lord hears, right? Pulling up my notes here right now. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, Neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. He knows what you need. He knows, uh, he hears those requests that are being mentioned. He knows the time of crisis that you're in. And he loves you, but this is what happens. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you, and that he will not hear. So as I mentioned, sometimes we're so quick, we point the finger at God, well, God, I want you coming through. You see my crisis, you see the burdens and, 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 and bondage that I'm in, why won't you come through? I remember my dad one time, I was pointing the finger at, at, uh, at somebody, and my dad said, be careful. And maybe if you're a dad, you probably said this too. You may have one finger pointing that way, but you've got four, ping- four fingers, three fingers, uh, po- pointing right back at you. Right? You ever have that saying? And sometimes it's important we pause and we evaluate ourselves before we're so quick to, uh, to claim these promises and not see uh, God come through. We are not in the right, we don't have the, the right reasoning. We have wrong reasoning. God's not going to fund and enable sin, but finally we have a wrong response. If we're going to be promise claimers, if we're going to go to His Word, we're going to find what He wants for us. You know, God puts these promises in His Word so that we can claim them. He doesn't say, well, I hope they don't find this one. All of them are open. All of them are free. All of them are able for you to take and claim. One song, I'll tell you this, we will never sing in this church. Every promise in the book is mine. Right? You say, Pastor Andrew, why is that? Well, that's just not true. That's just not doctrinally true. Sometimes there's, there's promises in God's Word that are specifically for the church. Sometimes there's, there's many promises that are just written for the nation of Israel. So we can't claim those. But hey, we're, we may not claim every promise. Not every promise in the book is mine, but a good portion of them. You know, somebody, somebody uh, asked me this. He said, uh, you know, how many, how many promises are in God's Word? And I, so I went back and studied as I was studying for this, this message and you know, I, the, the conclusion I came to, anybody take a guess? How many promises are in God's Word? That's a lot. Several thousand. To be honest, it, it's all a matter of opinion. Uh, I'm sorry, but I didn't have time to go through and comb through God's Word and count out all promises. But, uh, but uh, if you ask different authors, some would say 7,000, 8,000 promises in God's Word. Many of those are for us to claim. That's a lot. 
And I'm looking at, I have this book here, a book of, of Bible promises. There's all different kinds of promises. Uh, you got promises about growth, about justice, about refreshment, success. I encourage you, hey, if, you, uh, if, you, if you're going through crisis in your life, you're going through some difficulties, which everybody does at some point, uh, claim His promises. Get one of these books. Um, you can find them online, get them from the bookstore, and you can uh, read through, comb these, and take some of the principles we talk about tonight and, and uh, use them and claim God's promises in your life. They're there for you. They're a resource. They give help. They provide expectancy. But sometimes there's going to be opportunities for you where you need to do your part in order for God to make that. So this last point, wrong response. Wrong response. What do I mean by that? I tell you this, and uh, I don't mean to cast a stone in anybody. That's, that's not my, uh, my position tonight. But I look through on Wednesday nights almost every Wednesday. And I see a whole lot of prayer requests. And that's great. We should be a church that prays for each other. We should be lifting each other up. God tells us to come boldly before the throne of grace. But consistently, consistently, we'll have a laundry list of prayer requests, but our praises are real small. And sometimes we have a wrong response because we... Dump all of our problems on God. He says, cast all your care upon me. He cares for us, right? But when God comes through, we forget it. But you know the times that we remember that God didn't come through? is when He doesn't. God, You didn't answer my prayer. Why aren't You answering my prayer? Why aren't You answering my prayer? And it's because we have a wrong response. God does come through. 90% of the things we ask for, and He makes a way, He provides every good and every perfect gift cometh from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, and, and, and He gives us all of these great and precious truths each and every day. We come into church, and we hear Pastor preach, and it, it encourages us, it helps us, we leave here changed, we leave here ready to serve the Lord. Why, boy, when God doesn't come through, God said no. We behave like a little little toddler, right? I want this. I want this candy. You got a whole gr- cart full of groceries and, and uh, sweets and all these different things because you said no to that candy bar. They're going to lose it. I've seen many folks in, and, uh, in, uh, in uh, grocery stores and they're struggling, right? All because they said no to that one thing. And sometimes they just cave. I've seen it many times. And just, all right, just throw in the cart. Be quiet, all right? And uh, they move along. And you know what? Sometimes I hear a wrong response even from that child. You know the response we should have? This is old school. All right, you ready for this? Thank you. Thank you. And sometimes it's only when we have big crisis in our life, life-altering moments, Right? You're stranded on the side of the road. Your car is... Or you have a major health issue. Or your spouse is... Uh, you're having a relational issue. Right? These are life-altering, life-shaking moments. And we see God come through and we say, thank you. But it's these little things that God gives us each and every day. I read a book one time and I was, I was teaching a curriculum for uh, a singles group when I was in Texas. 
And uh, I was reading through the entire book, and I'm trying to grasp all the concepts before I'm teaching it. And, and uh, finally, I realized this author didn't really have a whole lot to say. Because this is the only truth, this is the only promise of God that he could truly grasp, is that all of us one day are going to die, and all of us are going to go to heaven when we accept Christ to be our personal Lord and Savior. And I read through that book, and basically the whole thing kept saying, just keep living your life, because one day you're going to be in heaven. Keep living your life, one day you're going to be in heaven. Keep doing this, because one day you're going to be in heaven. Keep doing this, because one day you're going to meet your author. And I thought, man, that's such a shallow way to see our life here on this earth. I'm glad we have a home in heaven when we pass from this earth. But let me tell you, I'm not, I'm not just looking for the day that I die. I'm looking to live a life and a life more abundantly. I'm looking, to, I'm looking at the great things God gives me now, not the things He's going to give me when I die. God gives us a great a promise of grace. God will give us grace here on this life. I don't know about you, but I need, a, I need a healthy dose of grace each and every day. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And I don't know about you, but i got a lot of sin in my life that I'm trying to work things out. And I haven't arrived yet, not even close. But for every sin I commit, there's more grace to combat that sin. God gives us forgiveness. That's another thing, another promise that God gives us that when we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's more to this life than just looking to death. Than just looking to heaven. There's things that we can claim now. There's things that we can look forward to now. And they're not all, you know, suitcases full of cash. Brand new car coming right your way. They're little things. God, thank you. Thank you for giving me breath today. Thank you for allowing me to sing. Thank you for a great church that we get to be a part of. And, uh, you know, there's many churches in this area that they're not meeting right now. Right? They just go Sunday to Sunday. How about you? But I get to, I get to Wednesday morning. I, sometimes I get to Monday morning. And I'm like, man, my batteries are empty. Right? I get back in here and I hear from God's Word or get to help somebody in discipleship and and that encourages me, right? God, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for my car running today. It's real, real quick. When that car's not running, real quick to say, God, why, why, why? Right? That's because you didn't change the oil, okay? Don't point the finger at me. Right? But I hope as, as we look at these concepts tonight, we'll have a greater faith in our God. God didn't put these things in His Word so that we could just hope they'll happen. He wants us to be expecting that they're going to happen. But there's things that we need to do in our life to put us in the right position to be able to claim them. Let's review one last time. Sometimes we have a wrong understanding. We don't really know what we need. We have a wrong context. We're reading through God's Word. We're taking verses out of the context. Not, uh, they're not applicable to us or uh, they're not meant for what we're going to use them for. We have a wrong position. Not doing uh, what we need to do, hold up our end of the bargain. We have wrong reasoning. God's not going to fund your sin. Finally, our wrong response. We're not thankful. Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. When you give those requests, be thankful. Whether it be positive, negative, the answer you wanted, the opposite answer, we trust God. 
Colossians 3.15, and I'm done. And let the peace of God rule in your heart, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Think about it. The next time you sing that song, standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages, let His praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. This week, whatever situation you're in, find a promise of God. Stand upon it. Pray, expecting, making sure you're in the right position. And claim that promise and see how God's going to meet your need. And then when He does, write it down. Let Him know you're thankful. Thank you, God. Thank you for coming through in that way. Thank you for, you really did meet that promise. And I think uh, in the next few weeks we'll see that uh, there is power in God's promises. We claim them appropriately. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for this time. Thank You for everyone that is here. I pray that something that was said tonight would be a help. And I know it wasn't a major, deep truth, but just some, some, some thoughts tonight that I think will help us when it comes to claiming your exceeding, great, precious promises. I pray that you'll help us as we leave here. Give us safety on our way out. Yes, your name. Amen.